After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. This podcast is brought to you by Easton. There are those who play and those who watch, those who cheer and those who are cheered, those who know that every hit has a bat, every catch has a glove, and every game a winner. At Easton, our passion is delivering a complete system of unparalleled technology and advanced products designed to give baseball players an elite edge. Easton Baseball, built to win. Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. I am John Manuel. He's Aaron Fitt. So you know we're talking college. We're coming to you from the newly refurbished, first-time set-up, Baseball America podcast room. We'll see how it sounds. Give us some feedback on it at podcast at baseballamerica.com. That's the email address. We're going to actually have a regular podcast next week that's not college. But, uh, Aaron, we are in the throes of college and draft season. Uh, draft is past. College series is upon us. You've already heard our Super Regional Wrap-Up podcast. You've heard our left half of the bracket uh, preview, Miami, Georgia, Stanford, Florida State. Now we move on to the right bracket, Aaron. North Cackalack, North Carolina Tar Heels, Louisiana State, the LSU Tigers, Rice Owls, uh, only eight letters, no cutesy nicknames, hmm. and the Fresno State Bulldogs, uh, the only uh, only bracket with uh, – uh, the only, this college series, of course, with a bulldog in each bracket is what I'm trying to say. You've got the Georgia Bulldogs on one side, the Fresno State Bulldogs. Has that Let's, never happened before? Uh, I'm sure it has. It has to have. I'm sure uh, it has. But I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, you know, it, it had to happen one year. I think Mississippi State and Georgia both got there one year. Because you know, in the SEC, you have two Bulldogs in one league. Yeah. Which is really kind of small time, if you ask me. But And, and at least two Tigers, right? Uh, yeah, you got Auburn and LSU. You know, the thing is, you know that uh, – that is really small time, but you know that neither none of those schools are going to give them up now. Uh, maybe a generation ago they might have gone that route. None of them are politically correct, like say the St. John's nickname used to be. Right. So you got no changes coming, I think, from Tigers and Bulldogs. But uh, we also do have Tar Heels, and we have Owls, and we have, uh, as we said, the Tigers, LSU Tigers. So let's start right off, Aaron, with North Carolina and LSU. You got kind of your nouveau riche program here in North Carolina with your traditional power. It's a good LSU. word for it. I like that. Uh, uh, yeah, thank you. I learned that word at North Carolina. Um, but uh, in, in the interest of full disclosure, we do have two Tar Heel alumni here uh, talking to you. Uh, North Carolina versus LSU going on here, Aaron. But I, you had to disclose that, didn't I you, John? I think so. But I think it is goes without saying that LSU is, as you have said, the story in college baseball this year. This yeah. is just stunning stuff to win 25 out of 26 games at this time of year. It's one thing to do it early like Arizona State did. They won 28 out of 29. It's quite another to do it when uh, the chips are down, when you're going for a regional bid, then you're pushing for a number one seed, and you're pushing for the SEC tournament championship, and then you're fighting back from one game down in the Super Regional. LSU just keeps getting her done. Amazing, just amazing. Where they were a week ago, uh, you know, well, actually, just a few days ago, excuse me, where they were uh, down five runs heading into the eighth inning against UC Irvine, one of the best pitching teams in the country with a really good closer, uh, Eric Pettis, uh, you know, set to take the hill in the ninth with, with a three run lead. I mean, 
the fact that they were able to come back from that game in just breathtaking fashion, and then uh, and then just blow Irvine out of the building the next day, I, I didn't. I wasn't terribly surprised uh, by by Monday's result, only because. That was a tough thing to come back from if you're Irvine, and that was a pretty crushing loss. Absolutely. I believe they were crushed. But but LSU, John, here's the thing about LSU. You know, you think about LSU, you think of the big mashers, and, um, you know, and these guys are, are – they've got some mashers. Hey, they do have two guys with 20 home runs. I don't think any other team in the field has two guys with 20 home runs. I mean, Tim Fedroff, you know, play, they're playing North Carolina. He leads North Carolina with, what, 12, 12. 13? Yeah. yeah. So, so – uh, certainly, LSU has more power here, um, but LSU is also a pretty balanced team. I, I was doing a little stati- statistical analysis or comparison on the blog say. last night, and, and you can probably find that now on BaseballAmerica.com. Uh, and, and Miami and North Carolina were, I think, the most balanced teams across the board in all the, the categories, pitching and defense and, and offense. But LSU is really right there with them, not too far behind. They're really a solid defensive team. They're a solid pitching team in addition to being uh, a good offensive team. So I really like LSU's lineup. I like the athleticism. I like the fact that they make the, you know, they're just, uh, there's a lot of tough outs and there's also, uh, you know, there's power, there's speed. I mean, th- this lineup has, has has four guys, five guys in, in double-digit stolen bases. Uh, they you know. 92 steals as a team. This is not a team that sits back and, and it's a very the offense. There's 97 home runs. Yeah. There's 92 stolen bases. This is not a team that has to sit back. And right. It's not over. Stanford, for example. Stanford, I think, has the fewest stolen bases of any team in this field. Uh, them in Fresno State, interestingly enough, the two West Coast teams have the fewest stolen bases. Uh, Stanford just sits up there hacking away, I think. LSU actually can can beat you with their speed and with stringing things together. And you know, not, not that they're going to play a lot of small ball, right. but but they can if they need to. Right, and I think Sean Ratliff, speaking of Stanford, leads their team in stolen bases like with eight. Right, know? right. Uh, LSU's got three, four, five guys in double figures. I think the thing that tells the story to me of LSU's season and why they're here is a guy like Sean Ochinko, who had a good summer in the Cape Cod League as yeah. a freshman. And here's a guy who started the year as their everyday catcher and with high expectations, didn't have a great season, and loses his job, but he still comes back later in the year as a first baseman, still playing some catcher, contributing, had a big hit in the yes, comeback the other day. You know, this happens, and North Carolina is a similar story. We'll get Jared to them in a Gore. minute. But, you know, Sean Ochenko, this is a guy who came in with expectations. And in the previous coaching staff, Smoke Laval, the previous LSU, and they had a, a catcher, and I'm trying to remember his name now. This just flashed in my head. But he was a big deal as a freshman. And he came out and struggled, and he got benched, and they pretty much lost him in the program. And I think he signed as a junior, and he just wasn't a factor. This was kind of where LSU was, where if you struggled, or like a right-handed pitcher like Justin Meyer, who was outstanding as a freshman, then just didn't have the same stuff as a sophomore and junior, and ended up just kind of, kind of getting buried in the, in, the, in the program. Here, that didn't happen. And this is not a criticism of the smoke of all. I'm just saying this is just another sign that things have changed. The mojo at LSU is different. Sean Ochenko can lose his job. And he doesn't get down on himself. He stays right in there, and he's still able to contribute to the team. And that just tells you this is a team before individual bunch right here. That's right. just a little example. I think the other example of that is you know, just the way LSU uses its pitching staff. And I guess that's the biggest difference for me. I think North Carolina's offense is maybe not quite as explosive as LSU's. They don't have a Matt Clark with 26 homers or a Blake Dean. They don't have that one-two power punch. I do think Carolina's offense is a little underrated. But the difference to me between the two teams really is pitching depth. But I don't think that's going to be a factor in the first game. It might be a factor over which yeah. team is more likely to win the tournament. Um, but I, th- I think LSU has enough pitching 
The question is, do they have enough if they go into the loser's bracket? I agree. And, and, and here's, you know, I think this is really, really a compelling first game because you've got uh, Ryan Verdugo, the left-hander for LSU, is going to pitch against North Carolina, whose three best hitters are left-handed, Dustin Ackley, Kyle Seeger, and Tim Fedroff. So, I mean, North Carolina, those, those guys aren't, you know, they don't roll over against left-handed hitters right. or pitching, but they're certainly a lot better against right-handed pitching. So if you, if you want to have your best chance to beat those guys, you want a quality left-hander, which Ryan Verdugo is. You want to make Chad Flack and Seth Williams and Tim Fedorovich and Kyle Shelton beat you. Yeah. Uh, and those guys are less likely to beat you. It doesn't mean they can't, but they're less likely to beat you than Dustin Ackley, Kyle Seeger, Tim Fedroff. And, and the other side, John, of this pitching matchup is Alex White, uh, who is – the the best power arm in this field by far, I think. I mean, him and Matt Harvey really are right there. Both of them on North Carolina's staff. I think he's the best pitcher in the tournament. I think he's the best pitcher in the tournament, too. I think too. he's the best guy left. The best pitcher in the Calvin Series, in my mind, is Alex White. Yep. And that would be true if he were a starter. That would be true if he, were, if he were a reliever. He has added so much polish this year. And you saw him at the Super Regional. He, you saw him in Omaha last year. You see him during the regular season. What's the big difference? Where, where has Alex White added the polish? He has – It's it really it's been – you know, he's had a, a great, a really, really good season from start to finish. But really, it's the last month, John, he's been more impressive than, than he's ever been to this point because, first of all, he's added that split finger, that third pitch. It's a really good pitch for him. I mean, yeah. he's already got a plus fastball and a plus slider. The splitter is a legitimate, I think, it, it flashes a plus pitch as well. It gives him a weapon against left-handed hitters. Uh, one more thing to keep guys off balance with. And the other thing is his command and his control have gotten a lot better uh, over the last month, he's he's having fewer of those innings where he melts down and walks, you know, three or four guys and and uh, gives up a couple of runs. That's been kind of his story for much of the years. He'd 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 cruise along, um, he'd have a strong seven innings, but there'd be one inning somewhere in there right. where he just kind of he, he lost his control a little bit. Uh, he's he's th- lately he's commanded the zone better. He's 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 th- thrown more strikes. Um, you know, and this guy he's got big time stuff, and and he's this is not the same pitcher that that. College World Series fans saw last year in Omaha. He's one of the top three pitchers for next year's draft. I think he, it's, it's him, he Kyle absolutely Gibson, is. and Steven Strasburg. Yep. That's how good this guy is. You're going to hear about him next year at the draft. It seems like the big key for me with Alex White is just maintaining your arm slot. You saw him last year in Omaha. His arm slot was low. Uh, he was just fatigued. Yeah. I think this is a matter of a guy. Uh, again, I've talked about Carolina's mix. I think North Carolina has the perfect mix of sophomores and veterans. They don't have too many guys who had to worry about the draft. Fedorov and Fedorovich were their two single-digit picks, basically. And, and, and you know, the Adam Warren to the world, uh, he's a junior, but he's never going to be a premium draft guy. But the meat and potatoes of this team is sophomores. Yeah. It's, and they're very, very talented sophomores. But, but I, I John. North Carolina is my pick here, but I think LSU is uh, – this is LSU's best team really probably since 2000. They've had some good teams since then. 2003 got to Omaha and went back-to-back, I believe. In 2004, yeah. Um, and I think they thought the 4 team was going to be better than it was. The 3 team got there, and it seems like the real thing that kind of started to tip things the wrong way for LSU was Brian Wilson, now the Giants' closer, had Tommy John surgery in about April 2003. He was their power arm that year, and then when he had Tommy John surgery, they thought they had a shot to get him back the next year for the postseason, like May, and, and say a tournament run, but he signed late. They never had a power arm to replace him, either in 3 or in 4 and that was kind of where things started slip sliding away for Smoke Laval. Just didn't get the do- job done pitching wise. Meanwhile, Paul Maneri inherited a lot of the same players. They obviously had a great recruiting class uh, this year too, by impact freshmen, but uh, a helpful transfer in Blake Martin as well. But 
basically this is a lot of those same guys, and they've, they've really turned things around very impressively in a short span at LSU. And, and the last thing I want to say, John, before we move on to the other two teams here, um, you talked about the job Palmineri has done, and, and particularly with the uh, uh, the situation with Ch- Sean Ochinko, and, yeah. and, and there's a lot of other guys that he's, he's used a lot of different players on that team. He's kept everyone in the roster involved. Yep. For me, uh, Palmineri and, and Mike Fox are two of the, I think they are two of our internal finalists for Coach of the Year. Oh, yeah, no, it's kind of a short list. It I is. Think, and, uh, and, and the, Mike and Martin's on that list for sure. Absolutely. I mean, Mark Marquis is on that list. These are all teams, you know, two, three of these teams were not preseason top 25 teams. I mean, LSU just missed our top 50, I think, that we did preseason. Like Stanford was right. in that. Stanford was in it, and uh, Florida State was in it. You know, we, I don't even know if we posted it. I know we had them all as regional teams. Right. Like, LSU was like our last regional team in in the preseason, were they not? We did have them in, yep. Um, but, but those are three teams that we didn't expect to be this good. But but North Carolina, John, um, it's it's the same kind of story with Ochinko that you, you kind of hinted at a few minutes ago. Yeah, you should. Garrett Gore, uh, same kind of deal. He was the, the, the junior veteran shortstop here. Well, he played second base last year. But a two-year starter. Two-year starter. So, yeah. I mean, this, he's a leader on this team. He's a guy that everyone loves in the clubhouse, one of the most popular players on the team. Struggled with his defense this year, especially down the stretch. Uh, eventually lost his, his starting shortstop job to Ryan Grapel, who's really a, really an all-glove kind of you know defense-first guy. Every once in a while, he'll come up with a hit for you, but he's not the, you know. He's, That's not what he's there for. He's not what he's there for. But, but Mike Fox keeps Garrett Gore involved. You know, he alternates Gore and, and Mark Flurry, the backup catcher, a DH. Uh, Gore comes up with a couple of hits for them. I mean, you know, this is, this is uh, uh, the same coaching. kind of thing. I mean, it's great coaching. This is, for me, John, this is the best job that Mike Fox has done coaching North Carolina during this run. It's, uh, I've been very impressed with him all year long. He's made a lot of good moves, and he's done a great job with the clubhouse. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's just an amazing feat, no matter what, that North Carolina's in its third straight college series. It's, yeah. Uh, and I, th- I don't think it can be underestimated that they did this without a home field this year. You're right. They were not on campus. A lot of teams that don't do that well when they're not on campus, North Carolina, that didn't happen to them this year. Rice and Fresno, Aaron. Let's let's jump to that uh, regional, or not regional, that, that first-round matchup in the Coddled Series. It's our Coddled Series preview podcast with Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. Rice is supposed to be here, Aaron. Fresno State is decidedly not. Rice, a sweep of Texas A&M. I guess it was convincing. They were tight games, well, well-played well games. One of the, it, It's funny to me that the most well-played Super Regionals were the ones that were the 2-0 sweeps. You're Bears right. And You're Cal right. State Fullerton versus Stanford. Uh, but it's the typical Rice team, you think, going uh, going back to Omaha? Or is this team a little bit different than the last couple and of the seven that Wayne Graham has piloted to Omaha from, uh, from the Houston area? You know, it certainly is a lot different, I think, because, first of all, um, they don't have the power that they've had in years past. I mean, they lost a lot of their their big their big guns from last year. Guys like Joe Savory and uh, you know uh, Brian Friday and Tyler Henley, and these guys are gone now. Um, but uh, you know, Danny Lehman was a key part of that team. Maybe not the big basher, but he was a key part of that team Absolutely. also. A key key defensive piece. And, uh, and Adam Zorns, guys in the country. Adam Zorns has you know. I remember last year, the beginning of the season, Coach Graham said that he really wanted to keep Zorns involved, at least as a DH and occasionally behind the plate, because he was the, the future back there. He knew that, that Zorns was going to have to step in and, and be the guy this year, and he has been. He's had a really good year, leads them in home runs. He hit the Super Regional winning home run against Texas A&M. Um, you know, and, and I like this lineup, John. I mean, it's not, a, it's not maybe as glamorous as some of the lineups in this field, but uh, uh, Rick Haig, everyone knows, is a great player, dynamic freshman. Diego Seastrunk one of the most underrated players in the nation, I think. Just a great gap-to-gap guy. Makes a, does a lot of little things very well. Plus, he's um, easy to root for. You just say, go, Diego, go. And there you go. Little three-year-old 
Yeah, I don't get the reference. I'm sorry Come for on, the blank go, stare, Diego, John. Go. It's a little kid show. Come uh, on, everybody knows Go Diego Go. Jared Gayhart, I mean, Aaron, you know, Chad Mazingo, the, these guys bring some speed to the to the lineup. And, and, and Aaron Luna, of course, we know how streaky he is. I mean, if he gets hot, he can carry this team. So I like this team offensively. One thing, John, statistically, this is not as good of a defensive Rice team as, as we're used to seeing. They actually have the, the second lowest fielding percentage of all these teams uh, in, in, in the field. You almost uh, but, always see them at 970-something, yeah. 963 on the fielding percentage this year. And you know what? It's interesting because in the late 90s, around the turn of the decade, Rice had a couple teams that were seen as all offense, no defense. And really since then, they've been a lockdown defensive yeah. team. They just In 2003 when they won the national championship, I believe they were ranked in the top five in fielding percentage in the nation. Yeah, and they didn't have a whole lot of balls in play that year either, all the strikeouts yeah, that you're the right. uh, Neiman you're right. numbered uh, Townsend uh, trio uh, produced. But they, uh, you know, I, I've mentioned it before, I think it's impressive they've gotten this far with a guy like Haig. You know, Rick Haig playing such an important part. Uh, in their lineup, but I mean, really, the the, the only other thing that really st- stands out to me statistically about Rice is that yeah, they will strike out some. This team does have a lot of guys with 40, 50 strikeouts. It does. It just doesn't seem like they have a weakness, but it doesn't seem like they really have a a glaring strength either. No. Other, than, other than their Rice, they play with confidence. Yep. They're well coached. They have power arms because they're Rice. Maybe they're not the elite power arms they used to have. But they're going to pitch. And yeah. they compete like crazy. This yeah. is really just not one. Like last year, you still put the touchstone on Joe Savory. Right. And when Joe Savory couldn't come back in those last two games, they you know they got eliminated. He he kind of had a start. He was spent, and uh, you know they they would have been very competitive in the championship series against Oregon State if they'd been able to go into it with uh, Joe Savory, but. They didn't get there that far. They couldn't win without Savory, basically, the last two games. But he was the, he was the best arm by far on their staff last year. Ryan, Ryan Berry's a great pitcher. Yeah. He's not the kind of power pitcher that, like, an Alex White is. But even, uh, like, again, Barry, Langwell, Kelly, Ojala. Ojala. These guys are uh, – Ojala probably is the best arm among their starters, He's got right? the best stuff, I think. I mean, and Barry's got good stuff, too. That knuckle curve that Barry has is obviously a really uh, difference maker of a pitch. But Ojala's got a really good downer curveball as well. The other thing that really sticks out about Rice is they have – Increased bullpen depth now that Bobby Bell has come back. That's been a huge development for them. Bobby Bell has this plus changeup. You know, just like he's a, a typical college lefty in a lot of ways. Fastball changeup guy. He doesn't really have a big time breaking ball. Works off spotting the fastball and then elevating the fastball and then dropping in that changeup. And he's been outstanding down the stretch. It's an ERA under one. Yeah. He has experience in the in the past in the postseason as well. So, uh, to me, get their their pitching depth is right there with North Carolina, is right there with Georgia's in terms of how deep they can go in the bullpen. Are these the, how good is their bullpen? I know you are Mr. Cole St. Clair. I'm not really a Cole St. Clair guy. but Cole St. Clair is one for four years in college, and in and, and any role that he's asked uh, to fill, he does it and succeeds. Uh, I mean, there yeah, you know, I mean, the guy, a, he, he pitches, a... I mean, what, what's not to like about this guy? He's got a ton of deception, uh, even without his best velocity this year. Maybe he's working 88 to 89. He's still got great numbers. He gets guys out. I Coming mean, he can close line. games. He can come in early. Ten I love wins, Cole St. Clair. Ten wins, five saves. What's not to like? And here's the other thing, John. This is something I'll to keep an my, eye on. I'll take my fake scout hat off and say, I love Cole St. Clair. Ten wins, five saves, and senior experience. I love him. The other thing I really like about Rice, the reason I think they've got a chance to, to – uh, to, to, to beat North Carolina and take this side of the, assuming, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Right, right. But I like the way that they potentially match up with North Carolina because of the lefties in the bullpen. You talked about Bell and St. Clair. Matt Evers, the, the freshman, uh, is the other guy who's really good for them. I mean, this is a, uh, a big freshman who's, you know, with pretty firm stuff. Uh, I, I, like, I like that um, the, their ability to mix and match in the bullpen because, I mean, they've got right-handers too when they need them. Uh, 
that's what it's going to come down to for Rice, I think, is, is will their bullpen be able to, 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 you know, to come in and if, if the starters get hit around a little bit and, and keep that game under control, allow the offense to come back like it did against Texas A&M uh, in Game 2. We haven't even mentioned their biggest bullpen arm, which is Brian Price, who's the Red Sox supplemental first-round pick, is right. the 45th overall, I believe. Right. I mean, uh, this is a, Wayne Graham has all kinds of options. And they are a team right now where their best arms basically are in their bullpen. And so you got three lefties out there, all of whom can extend a little bit if you want to. A lot of versatility back there. The power right-handed arm in Price. Rice is very dangerous. Fresno State, meanwhile, obviously the Cinderella story. They're here mostly because of their def- uh, their, their, their offense, I should say. They were one of the, the one team that proved they could hit yeah. toe-to-toe with Arizona State. Arizona State did not have the pitching to withstand uh, what Fresno State brought. How does Fresno State match up against Rice? You know, John, going back to the offensive point, I I think it's it's really a function more of Arizona State's bad pitching than it is Fresno State's. I mean, Fresno State is an offensive team. They've got a lot of veterans. But but you know what? They actually are the lowest scoring team out of these eight in this this College World Series. Wow. Uh, And that's a whack team. And that's a whack team. Um, And so... That's wiggly, 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 whack they They swing and miss a lot. Um, and, and what does that at that point out? <laughs> they, they <laughs> I don't know if we can ask JJ to do that, John. You might, be, you might be stuck knowing with what it. to do with that. Um, they, uh, you know, but it's it's here's the thing about about Fresno State is they really believe in themselves right now. I mean, that's the thing that that you talk to coaches about these guys out there on the West Coast. They're playing with a lot of confidence. They're so well coached. Um, they're both Lucy and Goosey right now. They're Lucy and Goosey. Uh, I like I like the fact that they're getting contributions from all over that lineup. I mean, even light hitting catcher Danny Grubb had a really good super regional. Um, you know, Eric Wetzel is, is a. You talk about Diego Seastrunk is an underrated player. How about Eric Wetzel? This guy gets a, a ton of big hits for for Fresno. He has for three years. Plays a good second base. I mean, he's a he's the heart and soul of that team. Uh, Steven Sustorf uh, maybe has has put up more numbers over the years, and he's he's really the biggest threat. I think right. in that lineup, but what's like He is the John. He is to Fresno State as John Gaston is to Arizona. Great call. You know, good solid college player, left-handed bat. I mean, not necessarily a power hitter, but a good hitter with power. Uh, this team's most dangerous hitter is Tommy Mendonca. Yeah, he's their most dangerous hitter to him and to the to, to the opposing team and to Fresno. Ninety strikeouts, sixteen walks. Uh, he's not going to be a a, a sabermetrician's fave. But uh, this team also a 970 fielding percentage. Aaron, they pitch, they yep. defend. They they, they, have, they take a lot of walks too. They, they, do they, they swing and miss walks. a lot, but they work the count. Uh, they're I think they're 15th in the nation in walks in walks heading into uh, the the super regionals anyway. And and everyone they, they don't have one guy with power, but they have four, five, six guys with six, seven, eight home runs. It sounds like when they got Muno in their lineup, Danny Muno. And got him up to the top of the lineup. That really helped kickstart their yeah. offense a little bit in the second half. That's it. He's he's one of those spark plug type guys. And and you look at his numbers. I mean, you know, he doesn't have huge offensive numbers. He doesn't even have a ton of stolen bases. And and, and he's and he's made some errors at shortstop. So he's not like he's he's really stabilized the middle of the infield. But he's just been he's just been the the, the missing piece for whatever right. reason. He's just one of those guys that has it. Hey, this uh, is not a perfect team. They lost 27 times, 20, yeah. 29 times this year in 71 games. I mean, there's a reason they were a four seed. It was a, it was too low. They shouldn't have been a four. They, they really should have been a three. I understand their RPI was 89. It was not just the RPI, though. I mean, I think they probably should have been a three over Alabama or Oklahoma, which which also lost almost the same amount of games. But saying, like, but you lose 27 games. I mean, you you know, you could be a four seed anyway. I, I don't disagree. <laughs> to me, you win your regular season conference and you win your conference championship, you're not a four. Not in a league like the WAC that produces – 
a kind of a steady stream of College World Series teams. Let's not forget the WAC has also has produced the teams that are currently in the WAC. Uh, you got Fresno, San Jose State, that's also been to Omaha, and you got teams like Nevada and Hawaii that produce good programs. Uh, good program that produce. I mean, the Nevada's got like six big league alumni right now, not fringy guys either. Guys like Chad Qualls and Daryl Rasner and Kevin Kuzminoff and Lyle Overbay, and I know that was nine, ten years ago, but we're talking about tradition of a program. That's Nevada. Uh, that That is what Fresno is competing against. San Jose State went to Omaha as a three seed in 2000. And to me, San Jose State in 2000 is actually the bigger upset than Fresno. Like Fresno, they had to go on the road to win a regional. I believe they won a regional at Baylor and a super regional at Houston, or it might have been vice versa. Um, but their, their road, I know actually, uh, well, whatever it is, their road was very difficult. And that team were eight years out. That San Jose State team produced one player, basically, a left-hander named Chris Key, of any consequence or significance. Uh, he made it a double or triple A as a lefty reliever. If he made it to the big leagues, it was very, very briefly. So that was not an uber-talented team. This team had Tanner Shepard on it. was a top-10 draft pick. And if they, they had him now, John, they'd be a real threat. They'd be oh, a real abs- threat to, to win this thing. Absolutely. But you almost wonder if losing Shepard was almost a catalyst for this team that was a preseason top-20 team to refocus, come together, maybe rise above some of its flaws – and play up to its potential instead of getting mired in what we're not doing to focus on what they are doing. Sometimes that happens. I mean, we saw – you see it happen all the time in all sports where an injury, a team kind of rallies in the short term to overcome that injury. One that sticks out in my head because we're in North Carolina and I love college basketball was Duke the year that Carlos Boozer uh, got injured. Duke rallied late that season to finish uh, for a tie for first in the ACC. They won the ACC tournament. They won the national championship with Carlos Boozer coming off the bench behind Casey Sanders. Uh, this was the kind of thing that might be happening right now at Fresno State. With mm-hmm. Tanner Shepard's out, they've really rallied as a team. They're not reliant on Tanner Shepard to go out there and give them 130 pitches every outing. Justin Wilson's gotten better down the stretch of the season. Uh, but the other, the other X factor for them, they are experienced, Susdorf and Brandon Burke. To key veterans, Wetzel, another guy. These are juniors and seniors. I think all three of those guys are seniors. Uh, Wetzel's a junior. Wetzel's a junior. But Burke holds, like, every saves record and relief record at Fresno State, and you saw how much they trusted him. (laughs) They wanted him, even when he was gassed, Mike Batesel wanted him on the mound when the Super Regional was on the line. He came through just barely, but he did come through against Arizona State, so – Kudos to the Bulldogs and also kudos to Mike Batesel, yeah. who's got a long, good coaching record. This is a guy who built Cal State Northridge into a power in the mid-'90s. Then the program was basically taken out from under his feet by the administration there. Financial issues, they shut down the program. It was restored four months later. You know, when they started either the 97 or 98 season, I forget which one it was, at Cal State Northridge, he had four scholarship players in August. Uh, who would not transfer out of the program My goodness. when the season started. They, he, the whole fall was just spent recruiting junior college players to come play at Northridge in the spring because they had no other choice. Uh, it was a very, very difficult process. He goes back to his alma mater at Fresno State. Uh, Coach Bennett had been there for so long and had done so many things uh, for the Fresno State program. And uh, it took Mike Bates a little longer than I'm sure he wanted to get Fresno State to where they are now. But – uh, I think you have to give kudos to a guy who went to his alma mater and has restored it to its previous uh, glory by getting into Omaha first time since 1991. One thing I liked about uh, what the way he managed his bullpen this past weekend was he showed a lot of confidence and trust in guys who didn't have great numbers. I mean, right. he you know he wasn't afraid to to, to bring in uh, you know Sean Bone Steele and uh, you know Chris Tomlinson. These are guys with six seven ERAs uh, against Arizona State. Because he he you know he didn't really have a choice, but right. but he he threw those guys out there. He didn't try to bring back you know his his ace on one day's rest, for example. 
Um, in stark contrast. It, it was a stark contrast. And, and, uh, and to me, it just speaks to the fact that this team, he's really got these guys all believing in themselves. We mentioned this before. And, and, and to, put, to put Fresno State's run into some perspective, he talked about San Jose State. And, and uh, we can wrap this up in, in a minute or so here. But um, to me, the fact that not only were they a number four seed, they were in the toughest regional. Right. Top to bottom, Long Beach State, San Diego, Cal. And Fresno State. I agree. They won the toughest regional. I think they had the toughest super regional draw. I, there's no place I would probably less like to go to, to win two two games out of three than Arizona State. I'd say Arizona's the other one. Arizona was a one sure. seed, and they had to go to Miami. Boy, that was that was tough. I don't know. But you know what? I, I I mean, Miami's great. Also, a long trip. Arizona, yeah. you're going cross country. Miami's better than than Arizona State. But I see your point. You can make it's, it's one or the other. Either way, the point is they didn't they didn't get a, they didn't get a lucky draw and super beat, regionals and nothing against North Carolina, but they didn't beat UNC Wilmington and Coastal to get here. They beat Long Beach State, San Diego, San Diego Arizona State. They beat traditional power Long Beach State, a little overrated traditional power, frankly. They beat San Diego Nouveau Riche power to right. give you a little start and finish, and Arizona State, which is a little bit of both traditional power and kind of a new school power under a. Under Pat Murphy, so, who's under a little uh, fire out uh, after losing that super regional to uh, Fresno State, but that's a whole other podcast, Aaron. But but I guess my my final thought on that is just that, uh, yeah, they're an, a, a team that we we talked about as dangerous number four seed. We thought maybe hey they could have been a three seed because of their their talent, and their experience, and the fact that they won their conference and all that stuff. Yep. A team we liked in the preseason. All that said, this is an incredible run. It is incredible, uh, it, and it's. Uh... And, I, and I, the thing is, I'm not convinced that they're done. I'm not convinced they're going to go out here and not win a game. Uh, I think they could win a game. Somebody has to go in two in both of these brackets. You know, if I were picking the who's going to go in two, I'm kind of crazy. I'm picking Georgia and I'm picking Fresno State. Yeah, I, I mean, I hate to do it, but I would pick the same two teams. Um, but you know, the Bulldogs and the Bulldogs. That's right. We are. Go, we're, we're picking the Bulldogs to go for four for Omaha. You got to pick something. Uh, that's why we're doing it. Uh, you got to pick someone. Someone has to lose, but. If Fresno State won a game or even won two games, it really wouldn't shock me. No. I don't think they have enough to win the whole thing. I actually think that seven of the eight teams have enough to win the whole tournament. I think Fresno is the only team in the field that yeah. does not. You know, and, and, and I hate to sell these guys short again because clearly I'm you can sure get burned doing it. that. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you. I think they're the one team that probably does not have enough, particularly on the mound, uh, to, to win the College World Series. Who's your favorite on this bracket, Aaron? North Carolina. North Carolina is my favorite. The more I talk about LSU, the more I look into LSU, the more I talk to people about LSU, the more I like LSU. I wouldn't be shocked. No, me but neither. I've, but I've said it all. North Carolina hasn't lost a series all year, period. They've only split one, a two-game set with North Carolina State. I think North Carolina is the most consistent team in the country all year. Uh, they really haven't had a downside. Now, they haven't played as tough a schedule as some other teams have. This is going to be their toughest week. Guess what it probably should be? It's the Coddled Series. With their experience, their mix of talent, I think North Carolina is a favorite. In fact, I'm flip-flopping. I'm picking North Carolina to win the thing. I think their experience will overcome Jim Morris's experience. And when it all comes down to it, North Carolina, I just can't pick North Carolina to lose to Miami when they played them head-to-head at Miami's joint. They beat them two out of three. I think North Carolina is better than Miami. I'm picking North Carolina with their experience. I guess it's two years in a row I picked North Carolina, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, they did get to the finals last year. Uh, so that wasn't exactly a terrible pick. I believe you picked Rice to win the whole thing last I year. I picked Arizona, Arizona State. State last year. Who are you picking this year? I'm going to stick with Miami, and and you know I I don't think Miami's invincible, and and I think I don't that think any of these teams none are, of these teams, these, teams are all invincible. All these teams are invincible. 
every one of them has some flaw. I think actually North Carolina might have the fewest flaws, frankly. That's what I think. Um, but because uh, I because I worry a little bit about Miami on the mound. I mean, they don't have justified. You know, they don't have the, the, the big guns that North Carolina has. And they don't have the pitching depth that North Carolina Matt has. Matt Harvey would be their number two starter. He's North Carolina, like, number three. He might be in the bullpen. I mean, Enrique Garcia, would he be in North Carolina's weekend rotation? He'd no. probably be, like, a middle guy. Yeah. Is he even better than Colin Bates? Or, you know, to me, North Carolina's only problem is, like, can Colin Bates and uh, the lefty reliever, Moran, Moran. Uh, can those guys pitch like they did for most of the season? The last couple of weeks, they've been a little iffy. But I still think with Rob Wooten back there, North Carolina has a lot of confidence at the back of the bullpen, but uh, you're picking Miami. I'm picking North Carolina. The, the I reason do think this is the ACC's year, and I, you, you call us homers or whatever you want to call it. I think this is their year. I think that they have three of the four best teams here. I would probably throw LSU and Rice in there as the top th- the top five. The five best teams to me are Miami, Florida State, North Carolina, LSU, and Rice. Those yeah. are the five best teams. I think I'm I, with you on that. I'd probably go Stanford six, Georgia seven, Fresno eight. I'm ranking these top eight teams right now. I think um, I, I think I might be with you on that too. But uh, you know that, that's how I'm ranking them to, to win this thing. But I, I just think it's amazing that three of the five best teams are ACC teams. They're all legitimate teams. Uh, they all have. If the ACC doesn't win it this year, they may never win it. Yep. All right. We, we, are we done? I yeah. think that's it, John. Everybody enjoy the podcast. We hope you did. Uh, send the feedback in. Like I said, uh, let us know how it sounded, how it went. Uh, podcast at baseballamerica.com is that email address for Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. Next time we come to you, we'll be live from Omaha, maybe live from Rosenblatt Stadium, maybe live from our rental car. It might be recorded from uh, Omaha. But That's right, not live. Live, but, uh, uh, whatever. Recorded in Omaha, podcasting in Omaha. We look forward to talking to you. Until then, so long, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.